Harrison Price for Wednesday, January 10th, 2024. Coming to you from the Go Go Sports Studio, built by Arbor Lee here at the Iconic Wall Center, downtown Vancouver. And if you're heading to an event or a game, why don't you make it a staycation? Call the wall, 604-331-1000. Matt Sikaris alongside Blake Price, Grace Ass, hitting switches, conducting things alongside intern Lachlan Irvin. We're got a big show coming up and of course it's all a presentation of applewood auto group and applewood nissan in langley would love to direct you to the 2024 leaf get into the electric revolution with the leaf you can finance them from 5.74 percent and be ready for all that this weather has to offer because there's a winter tire offer attached to the leaf right now buy a set of partner brand winter tires and get up to 170 dollars off it all happens at applewood nissan in langley where it's all good at Applewood. How about making a requirement instead of an offer on the winter tires? With the oh, forecast. Imagine that. We've got a winter tire requirement <laughs> with this. I've never seen it uh, quite put oh, like that. Have you seen the forecast? Yeah. Well, yeah. Monday, Tuesday, it looks like we could get some snow here. A rare El Nino snow event. Mm-hmm. I'm a weather nerd. As you he know. is. I was just going to say. Folks, you have no idea how much time and effort Blake puts in to the weather. Oh, I, I, I read on a the daily radar. and weekly. I subscribe to guys. I've like I've got like I've got were paid. you a farmer's al- almanac no, guy back no, no, in the no, day? No. no, okay. Science, come on, science. I uh, actually subscribed the other day to like a like a paid paid service. I figured you would. Poll question today. What pace is most likely to continue in the second half of the season? 114 points for these Vancouver Canucks. Ooh. Three 100-point players. Miller, Patterson, Ooh. Hughes. Seven 20-goal scorers. Too many to name. What year is it? You can vote at Sakarison Price, Twitter, YouTube. 41 games in the books, 41 to go for the Vancouver Canucks. Not in my wildest dreams did I think they'd be on a 114-point pace. More on this and welcome, Matt. Seven goal. So here's where I am on the poll. Schedule gets tougher in the second half. More Vegas there. Yeah. L.A., some other good teams. Uh 720 goal scores, that means seven different guys have to keep it up, which I think is less likely than three guys tra- tracking 100 points. So I voted three 100 point players. The one caveat with the 20 goal scores is there's guys right behind. Well, there's three already. I, I suppose it only requires four guys to keep up pace because. But even if if a couple of those guys that are on pace drop off places, there's a couple of guys that could quickly get on pace. Like yeah. La- we didn't include Lafferty. Lafferty's got nine and 41. If he gets hot again, he could get to 20. Kuzmenko's got 8 and 35. He gets hot, he could get to 20. Like he's not included in the 7 right now. Yeah. Pew Suter's got 8 and 27. Yeah. But in the case of Lafferty, I don't see him spending much more time with Elias Patterson. No. But but Suter's an opportunity. In the case of Kuzmenko, again, the Patterson factor. But he's got power play. No, indeed. And I hear you. And those guys aren't on the list. So no, those are the insurance plans. Mm-hmm. But it also means what? Hughes getting there with nine more. Yep. Three defensemen. That's a lot to ask. Mikheyev doubling up his 10. And right? He's got ice cold. Mm-hmm. 
even Joshua. I mean, 11 more or nine more is. So, anyways. What's the record for 20 goal scorers on a team? I don't know. Do you know? Don Cherry's Bruins. Really? 11. Oh, wow. The balance. My goodness. 11. <laughs> 11, 20. Like, your top. I mean, that's almost two thirds of your skaters. Yeah, probably a defenseman or two, right? So you probably have three full lines. I would think Robert Gordon Orr is on. Yes, three three forward lines and a couple defensemen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a good way to look at at it. Canucks sweep Gotham. 5-2 over the Islanders. They've won three in a row now. Philip Ronick with a goal and assist. Connor Garland with two helpers. And beautiful goals yet again. Elias Pettersson and J.T. Miller with a stunner. A tic-tac-toe reminiscent of the Sedin twins. And all the goals created by the defense. Because here's the thing. It's not just that the defensemen scored goals last night. It's that they created goals. Nikita Zadorov with that rush all the way around the Islanders' net. Leads to a Philip Ronick point shot. Gets blocked. Lame Islander. Ronick gets another chance. Pucks in the back of the net. Speaking of stunners, Quinn Hughes and the solo effort. The entirety of the Islanders mesmerized. Almost like he had him in a trance with all that stick handling. And then Tyler Myers with a rush-up ice. And a clapper to score. Beautiful goals. Yep. Absolutely beautiful goals. And here's Rick Tockett talking about all the incredible things that happened for the Vancouver Canucks. Take a listen. Yeah, that was great. I mean, obviously the Myers goal was awesome. And but Huggy's goal was incredible. I mean, you're just going on the list. Um, you know, it's... Uh, when you get that second wave, that rush, that's what, you know, uh, it really helps. Um, and, you know, we forechecked the puck good, and I thought we it was probably one of our better games of breaking the puck out. And that's why our D got some of those chances. A Vancouver Canucks head coach being able to list all the incredible things that are going on. That Tyler Myers. I Meyer, have times changed. That Tyler Myers goal, I would love to see him work on his shot a bit more, not in velocity. Inaccuracy. Mm-hmm. It's a good shot. Uh, he's third on the team from the defense and missed shots. He uh, every time he loads in, into that, all I hear is glass. <laughs> you know, like hit the net, and then things like that might happen a little bit more. Quinn Hughes also talked about how the group was so happy uh, to see Myers score a goal, and of course the transformation of Tyler Myers this year a big talking point for the Vancouver Canucks and their fans in terms of what's turned it around. Again, more on this in Welcome, Matt. Lowest time on ice of his career, and he's having one of the best seasons. Well, but it stands... Goes back to acquisition day. I never forget Craig Button saying he's a third-pairing defenseman. The minute you ask more of him, you're you're in trouble. And here he is in a third-pairing role, and he's just fine. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, it depends on how you want to. He's the lowest ice time of his career, though. So, I mean, for the most part, he's on the third pair on a given night. And that defense. Well, he's their third most used defenseman night to night. 
that defense as a whole, 20 goals already. Tied for ninth overall in the league last year, 22 total, the worst in the entire league. But he plays a ton of PK. So we're talking yeah. even strength. Okay. But it's, you know, the defense has come around. The fact that you can plug in Juleson for Ian Cole and you don't give up anything. Uh, he's he, sorry, he's fourth by average time on ice, but that still makes him a second pair. But you're right you know, when you uh, factor in the special teams. Casey DeSmith has started 12 games for the Vancouver Canucks. He has points in nine of them, and he has seven victories. The Islanders had one high-danger chance in the third period last night, so the Canucks did a great job team defense to close that game out when, you know, third and four nights, second back-to-back, albeit without travel. You would have thought, okay, here's where the rubber meets the road, a little bit of fatigue setting in, not so much. Nine shots over the final 40. Earlier in the game, first period, a stunning save on Engvall. And then he robs Kyle Palmieri in the second period. Here's Casey DeSmith on what he thinks was one of the better wins of the season. What's been the key for you to stay ready and come in and contribute like you have? Uh, Same thing I always say, just work hard and practice good habits um you know Clarky's big on the habits and if you have good habits in practice it translates to games and uh you know we've been pu- we've been working hard and it's paying off obviously the team was incredible tonight I mean to do that on a back-to-back against a really good Islanders team um in my opinion that was one of the better wins for the team uh this season courtesy of the Vancouver Canucks and Sportsnet there uh obviously but you know Kate we, Pedersen asking the question we uh we heard J-Pat bring up sort of the magic number, what he wanted out of goaltenders on this team, like mm-hmm. 12, a dozen wins. Right. Well, he's got seven in 12 starts. Mm-hmm. Like, DeSmith is easily on pace to give a very aggressive total, uh, exactly what the Vancouver – like, right. like, he could give the Canucks 30 points mm-hmm. this season. Which and, really takes and, the pressure and, off of starter. And I suspect it will be more than 12 starts because I think you're going to have some leeway to play with. Yep, maybe. In the second half. But even, let's just let's just double it. So that's 24. That means Demko's playing 58. It's pretty much where people want it. Exactly. I, I think 55 is the number, but let's not quibble about three exactly. starts. Exactly. Yeah. Now, talk a joke that he can't possibly break up the lotto line now. After a third successive winning effort, Elias Pettersson, JT Miller, and Brock Besser back together. Now, they only had two points last night. Beautiful goal between Pettersson and Miller. They only had two points. They were the worst of the Canucks four lines by the advanced stats, albeit still well above above where the Islanders were. 57 points now for the Canucks. They're second in the league behind Winnipeg. Points percentage of 695. That's third in the league behind Winnipeg and Boston. Their 26 regulation wins continues to lead the league, as does their plus 53 goal differential. Six up on Vegas, and now 10 up on the L.A. Kings, who lose a 3-2 overtime decision to the Tampa Bay Lightning on Tuesday meaning they seed a point to the Canucks and are now double digits back of Vancouver. Granted, with games to play, but as we discussed yesterday, 
you know, birds in the hand once you have those points. If L.A. wins their four remaining games in hand, they still don't get to the Canucks. In fact, the Kings are much closer to the Edmonton Oilers than they are to the Vancouver Canucks now. Four up on the Oilers in the same number of games played. And, the, and the Oilers have got four games in hand on the Canucks, but the Oilers are on the heater already, an eight-game winning streak. So if you're saying, well, if the if the Oilers win all those four games, they'd get to within six points of the Canucks. Oh, so you're asking the Oilers now to win 12 games in a row to get to within six points of the Canucks. Like, that's asking a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, are the Oilers better than their standing place uh, indicates? Yeah, probably they are. But the Canucks are growing more and more like the runaway leaders of the Pacific Division. Now, Mm -hmm. I would be a lot more confident for the Canucks if they were at the 61-game mark and not the 41-game mark. Uh, But, hey, it's hard to have any complaints right now about this Canucks team. 0 for 4 on the power play Tuesday, but, of course... That's actually a good number of attempts, given how few yeah, celebrate the attempts they have been. Taka could have Recently. been on a Darko rant, uh, more on Darko in a little bit, but he, you know they just weren't getting any calls. Mm-hmm. And Quinn Hughes' eleventh goal of the season, he has more even strength points than any other defenseman. In fact, Philip Ronick is second on the list of even strength points by defensemen this year mm-hmm. in the league. And only three players have more even strength points than Hughes total. Nikita Kucherov, Nathan McKinnon, and Connor McDavid. I mean, that's like a Hart Trophy podium right there. Those are the only three guys that have more even strength points than the Canucks captain, a defenseman. The Canucks are now the... have the second best odds to win the Stanley Cup, according to Money Puck. Have them at greater than 9%. Only Colorado is better. Dom LeCision's model at The Athletic has them sixth at 4%. It's right on brand for Dom this year. (laughs) (laughs) But that we're talking about the Canucks as a cup contender at the midpoint of the season is bananas. It it is. uh, Given what we've seen of this team over the last handful of years, um, yeah, could you have expected this level of a turnaround? No, I mean, we all expected improvement. All of us did. But to this level, no. Stick tap to JPAT, and you're the primary assist on this one. They sat down Ian Cole. Load management. Here's Coach Tockett. You know, the guy that's coming in is a very capable, capable defenseman. You know, and uh, we get the rest of the guy like Ian Cole who's got, you know, who's played really well for us, and we're looking a little long-term with him, you know, um, and obviously he's done a hell of a job for us. So he's a team guy, and uh, that's what I love about He understood it, you know, and doesn't have to like it, but he understood it. He's a team guy. That's why, you know, I know Kohler for a bunch of years now. And, and this is a well that Talkett and staff could very well go go back to as the second half proceeds. Right, I suspect that they will, and and I I think that they're doing it at the right place out on these long road trips. Um, the Canucks have more than one road trip left, but they've only got one Eastern road trip left, and I think on these Eastern road trips is a great way to get that rotation in. All the other ones are not super arduous. A lot of West Coast California trips, um, you can get through those. They're they're not going to cause as much uh, stress on. The system for the old guys, as some of these Eastern trips do, 
So use use both of these elongated eastern trips as a great opportunity for load management. The, uh, there were I had two kind of surprises that he picked this spot. Number one, they'd been winning. Number two, there there is no travel there. The Rangers and Islanders. But back to backs, three and four. Well, yeah. yeah. But, but again, and at home, no travel. There was no travel at all within no, the entirety. No. It was Jersey and the two New York teams, and coming off victories. Other than that, though, um, yeah, no, this is smart stuff. Their next back to back is February tenth and eleventh. A couple of morning starts actually for us. Afternoon matinees back east, Detroit, and the Washington Capitals. So that may be the next spot where you see some of this load management. Also back-to-back on February 19th and 20th, Minnesota, Colorado. And actually the 19th is a morning start on a Monday, believe it or not, a holiday south of south of the border. Ah, oh, poor Connor Bedard. The pride of the North Shore underwent surgery Monday to repair his fractured jaw. He's not only going to miss this Blackhawks game in Vancouver later this month, chance to play his hometown Canucks, the team he grew up cheering for, and needless to say, our first chance to see Connor Bedard live and in the flesh. He is also going to miss the All-Star game, Frank Saravelli. The Blackhawks will unfortunately need an injury replacement. Unfortunate on two counts, number one, that Connor can't make it and the Blackhawks have to send somebody else. Unfortunate in a second vein in that we have to watch a Blackhawk masquerade as an all-star. Jason Dickinson booked that flight to Toronto. I don't think that's true, though. Have you seen that written, that they have to do that? Frank Saravelli, meaning the Blackhawks will unfortunately need an injury replacement at NHL All-Star. I mean, we've seen other All-Star games where that has not been the case. I think that's when it the scratch comes a little closer to the event. I, I think given what the Blackhawks have now, especially who's healthy, I think the NHL is totally within their rights in saying, sorry, you got you got nobody eligible. All the more reason to bring five Vancouver Canucks. Well, honestly, that, was, that just widened the path for that to happen. The NHL can't do that. They can't make a mockery of the game by bringing somebody who just flat out does not deserve it. Jason Dickinson does not deserve to be an NHL All-Star. That's ridiculous. John Scott did not deserve to be an NHL All-Star. And the league fought it tooth and nail. But that was a legitimate loophole that they created for themselves that they could not get out of. This one, no, we've named your All-Star. was Conor Bedard. He's injured. Petr Mrazek. I wanted to highlight this note. Um, from a guy, Van City Customs, talking about the Bedard game in Vancouver. He says, Ugh, I got $750 tickets the yeah, day yeah. before he got injured. Always a risk. I suppose yeah. my resale value on a pair of tickets for a Monday night game against an oh. AHL team won't AHL be that great, be, eh? Hey, a- AHL might be flattering that roster But right you now. market it as guaranteed win night. <laughs> Come see the Canucks win. Hey, for, they beat Calgary on the weekend, and Edmonton beat them 2-1 last yeah. night. And, and yeah. speaking of the Edmonton game, we should talk about the other Connor. Uh, I have to say, I am impressed by the discovery of a personality by one Connor McDavid. Have you noticed this of late? The man like actually activates the muscles in his face to show emotion now. Spoke eloquently and with, with some irreverence and 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 comedy about the ridiculous uh goal review of uh, Leon Draisaitl's offside call last night 
and spoke with an opinion. Do you have an opinion? Yeah, I do, actually. I think that, you know, they should have a time limit. Like, he gave a whole reasoned, you know, sports talk radio kind of take on goal reviews. Like, he was blander than the blandest white toast you've ever had when he came into this league. And they often are. They're so guarded. Well, they all are. Yeah. And especially at that level, because, you know, everything you're going to say could create a headline. But right? I, I wasn't like sure. Joe Blow, third line left winger, says it. It's a little different than when. A, I wasn't sure we'd ever get personality out of Connor McDavid, Matt. I was yeah. not convinced of it. And I don't know. What I saw him last night, I was like, all right, now that's the face of a league there. That's a, that's mm-hmm. a guy holding court and giving an opinion. I, I loved it. So uh, I know people like to hate so, on McDavid because he's a rival, but he, I love it. More well, of it. W- one of the things that we have long forecasted is – well, what we saw this week with Cutter Goche, the Philadelphia Flyers, young people taking greater control of their career path. Yeah. One of the other things that we have tracked over the 12 plus years we've been doing this show, when we first started out, politics were kind of taboo mm-hmm. for athletes. That's very. It was very much the Michael Jordan Republicans buy Nikes too. Yeah. Uh, we have seen that script flipped. And at the lead of basketball players, for the most part, football players as well, and get actively involved in politics and political discourse or societal discourse. We've seen that on both sides of the ledger. Aaron Rodgers, Colin Kaepernick. Are we going to see more opinionated hockey stars going forward? I don't know about politics, but the first step in this is on the game. They they never hockey yes. players never never spoke against the game, Matt. Well, again, maybe against officials, you, but that's you it. You could get you could get players who weren't at the superstar level to discuss the game. What's right with the game? What's wrong with the game? To me, that's been constant. It's been a select few at the top who have been a that's little what I'm less. Saying. The superstars is what matters. Right, the guys selling the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like r- literally down to selling the game, like McDavid's uh, commercial with uh, with Gretzky with the goals the goals down there, like that's good stuff. Like mm-hmm. like that, that that's what you have to do to sell this game is be a bit of an actor sometimes, both in the dressing room and and yeah. actually on camera. It's it's uh, it's a step in the right direction. Yeah. Now, see, TSN is out with a trade bait board. Yes, saw that. Uh, and, of course, our buddy Frank Cervelli and his trade targets at Daily Faceoff, and, and we'll talk to Frank on Friday because there are some really interesting names on that board, including uh, talk about it here in hashtags today. Does Sean Monahan or Adam Henrique do anything for you as a potential center option for the Canucks if Lotto Line is sticking together? Monaghan's actually having a really nice year. Totally is, yeah. 23 points in 39 games for the one-time franchise player of the Calgary Flames, now a Montreal Canadian. A UFA making less than $2 million, Blake. He fits into the cap, certainly. Wouldn't take a ton of gymnastics to fit him. He's not having such a spectacular year that I don't, I don't, I don't think you have to pay Sun, Moon, and Stars. Maybe just Sun and Moon. Mm-hmm. Um and he's pretty responsible in a number of situations. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'd be tempted on okay. that. Okay. Enrique, different equation there at 5.8, but you'd have to think Anaheim eats you know, or and or move some money back. 
also not having the worst year. 21 points in 39 games for a 33-year-old guy. And first of all, I can't believe he's just 33. Seems like he's been in the league forever. Uh, and he's got a little more size than... Oh, Monahan's a pretty big pretty, dude. You Maybe uses it a little bit. Oh, is it, six, two, just two, six. two. Who, for Henrik? Monahan. <laughs> yeah. So, Henrik, 6'195". More likely to use it, perhaps, but I mean... But Either it, of them right shot, guys, Grady? No, both left. Okay. Yeah. I mean... Because they there are two centers who appear on all the trade uh, boards right now. Uh, do, do you know how many playoff games Adam Henrik has played in his career? Oh, can't imagine a ton. Remember he played? He had the Devils run. Well, he, he had the one Devils run. One full Devils run of 24 games. Since then, that's in 2012. Oh, yeah. No, it was a he long has played, time. He the Ducks? He has played four playoff oh, games oh, since. Guy. Poor guy. <laughs> so we're not getting, you're yeah. not getting a seasoned guy there who's been through the trials and tribulations. The other thing is he's got a 10-team no-trade list. He's got a modified no-trade clause. Now, Vancouver typically isn't on these lists, but they I mean, can be. Mon has actually played more playoff games with them, and in re- more recent years, bubble. Yeah, I'm just putting the. If in fact the target has switched from a winger for Pedersen to a second line center, you're going to start hearing about these names, and they may not excite you, but as we talked about earlier in the week. It is a much different animal to try and acquire a second-line center as compared to a top-six winger. There are going to be far more and exciting top-six wingers available than there are second-line centers going to be available. And if you're sitting there screaming, what about Elias Lindholm in Calgary? We talked about him earlier in the week. He is probably the number one trade deadline target available. Certainly amongst the rentals, the cost would be enormous. And ultimately, I mean. And the other thing you've got to consider, and maybe Rutherford and Alvin aren't from the school, and I know the school is diminishing, but every time I watch Rasmus Anderson with the Calgary Flames, I think Canucks just gifted a division rival, a top four defenseman with that horrible Sven Berchi trade years ago. You would also be probably surrendering some assets to the Flames that are going to come back and play against you and perhaps haunt you going forward. Sean Monaghan can certainly slide over onto the wing if if you decided to split up the lotto line. He's four years removed from a 34-goal season, and he's still under the age of 30. I mean, there is some skill somewhere in there still. And oh, it's, there's and some it, there there. Like, yeah. when he's been healthy, he's been a very good National Hockey League player. Henrik's a former 30-goal scorer, too. It's just a, a little further back. Mm. But um, uh, Henrik is not quite at the Monaghan. No. Yeah. yeah. Three separate categories here. Lindholm, Monaghan, Henrik. Yeah. My EA Sports NHL GM mode hat is clamoring for Claude Giroux. Okay. Oh, so we're putting you on We're putting you on ease and O's for that. My EA GM feature, please. Well, he went there expressly to play for the Ottawa Senators. That's his hometown. He's got a full no move clause. That's where his wife's from. He's not going anywhere. But that his team wife, was supposed his to make the playoffs once these years. Yeah, his wife grew up a stone's throw from the rink there. No, but he's going to hope that they turn it around for next year. Uh, I hear that every single year. I hear that about Buffalo. I hear about that Detroit, Ottawa. Look at them. No, you're. he's right in terms of a new management group there. 
And look, that, Chikrin's uh, out there now. And that did not sign the Giroux contract and may well be looking to but move. If they don't he's c- right about that. If they don't now, deal- he's not really a center grade. We've, we, we've covered this as well. Right, but he's one of those hybrid guys and he's a right shot. Yep. And you throw him in with Suter, then you know, you've got yep. some not happening. center depth. How, no, much the, how much is the ticket there? I think it's six and a half. Six, oh, yeah. Not happening. Oh, Hey, I never said it was going to. I said it was my NHL GM mode. So why did you say it in the first place? But it wouldn't even be approved to use your GM mode. It wouldn't (laughs) wouldn't even be approved. They'd be like, no, sorry, not happening. No. That ain't happening at all. We should mention, too, if you're a diehard Canuck fan and want to get those five guys to the All-Stars, for some reason the NHL has made this a double vote day. If you retweet... You vote via hashtags and stuff on Twitter. If you if it comes via a retweet, is this one of these make it up as we go along? Oh, yeah. don't like the looks of this. Yeah, maybe too many Canadian yes. players. Yes, too many Canadian team players. Only it could backfire because Canuck yeah. fans are so tech savvy. Come on, New York. Come on, LA. Vote, vote, vote. Watch it backfire. They watch them all rise to the top five vote getters. <laughs> on to football and down the I five. We're an absolute stunner. Today, Blake, we had talked over the last couple of days that Pete Carroll said he wanted to be back, that he was under contract for 2024, that Jody Allen, who inherited the team from her brother Paul, who passed away, had only known Pete Carroll, that they were close. Well, Carroll is out as head coach of the Seattle Seahawks after 14 seasons. He amasses a record of 161 112 and 1, 11 and 11 in the postseason, and of course, the only Super Bowl in Seattle Seahawks history. I got to say, I'm quite surprised at this news. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, the man has just uh, so much energy for the game. Um, I mean, I do wonder if he ultimately serves any time in that role, um, in that advisory role that yeah. he's been put to. The man's a coach. The man just loves to coach. Mm-hmm. Um, he's awfully old to start somewhere new. Yeah. But, uh, man, he's but a coach. Huge resume, huge yeah. credentials, uh, a lot of history in the state of California. He's from Northern California, of course, coached USC to a national championship. Yeah. Several national championships, albeit some of them vacated. Uh, look, nine and eight, nine and eight, seven and ten. The last few years, Blake, and as we talked about at the end of the season, there were some troubling trends here over the last couple of years down the I five. You're a defensive coach, and you haven't been able to fix run defense. You haven't been able to demonstrate that you're closer to the San Francisco 49ers, the best team in your division, even after the last two off-seasons. So I can understand Jody Allen and those in upper management with the Seattle Seahawks looking around and going, we have not made enough progress over the last couple of years. I just would have thought this guy would have been given another opportunity to show that progress given the resume and given what he delivered to that city. And I'm not directly comparing because Bill Belichick's got way more rings. But, um, you know, Bill Belichick has hit the bottom of the barrel here. Yes. 
on his way out of the New England Patriots yeah. organization. Carroll at nine and eight in the last couple of years, he's still those are winning those are winning seasons. Yeah. And there are teams that go decades without winning seasons. Um hey, he's he's the greatest coach in CLC Hawk history, uh and a story. Um I I uh I I do wonder too if you know is it is it equal blame here and again it's lowercase b mm-hmm. but is it equal blame for just the composition of the team like he's yeah. got a lot of say he's got a, he's not the GM he does, but he's he got does. a lot of say well he's he outranked Schneider personnel wise so at the end of the day he can play the heavy let me just correct myself he's one seventy and one twenty um, all time. As an NFL head coach, one thirty-seven and eighty-nine as a Seahawks coach, um, ten and nine as a Seahawks playoff coach, eleven and eleven overall, seven and ten a couple of years ago was his worst season ever. So always seven wins it's as incredible. a Seattle Seahawks coach. Yeah, like franchise's dream of that being the low water Absolutely. mark. Absolutely, um, absolutely. You know, so I and hey. now you're in a play now. So a few things here. And let me get wild. Bill Belichick may be available. <laughs> Mike Vrabel is available. Jim Harbaugh is available. A familiar name in Dan Quinn is available. And with a lot of steam, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, everybody likes the job that uh, Quinn has done as a defensive coordinator again, and he's back in the mix. So you're on the market for a head coach. You're on the market for a head coach with an owner who has never done this before. Did you mention Jim Harbaugh? I did mention Jim yeah, Harbaugh. Yeah. I will always mention <laughs> Jim Harbaugh, as you know. But you're you're on the market for a head coach with an owner who has never done this before. And something that you have not done as a franchise since 2010. Yeah. Yeah. I That's mean, an interesting dynamic. You know, when you fire a coach, one of the questions you have to ask yourself is Okay, who can we get that's better? Yeah, did they do any due diligence in the last 48 hours, I wonder? It is a small list of people who are better head football coaches than Pete Carroll. Yeah. So you look at his travails and you could, you know, say, look, the game is passing him by a little bit. They were slow to go to three uh, to two linebackers and pretty much everybody goes to two linebackers now. They have been slow to diversify the offense more readily and have the three terrific wide receivers, which they now have in place with Jackson Smith and Jigba. And of course, you know, certain things about Jamal Adams, why is Jamal Adams playing safety when Julian Love is a pro bowl level safety. So there are nits to pick with Carroll. And maybe they're even bigger than the nits. Like maybe you can say fundamentally, this guy just hasn't modernized enough. But again, there are a whole lot of coaches who would do a lot worse than Pete Carroll's low low watermark? I wonder if they would have been better off having him say, "This is my final season," and then allowing a more um, exhaustive search yeah. over the course of fourteen months to get a new head coach. Of course, the problem there is all the assistants and players know. Yeah, I don't necessarily have my future tied to this guy. Yep. Because who's next? Guy, I don't know yeah. who's next. No, it, it, maybe that's a behind closed door decision. This is my, but we're not going to tell anybody. Maybe that's risky. Um, 
I, I just you're right. I hope there's been some level of due diligence mm-hmm. here, and they've thought ahead so that I mean, imagine walking in to fill these shoes. It's, yeah. it's the same, and it, to to some degree, it's a little more intimidating than it is in New England because whoever's coming into New England says, "Yeah, but you were shit this season." I only have to do better than that exactly. shitty season. Exactly. Well, two in a row now. Two, two in a row now. Versus this, this, whoever comes in has to have a winning record. Like they, you've got a nine and eighteen. Like you will be expected to get better next no, year. Oh, that's it. Like this isn't a rebuild. No, by any stretch. They they're hiring you to get to ten or eleven wins. That's what the, that's going to be the expectation. And now the other thing, Blake, the offshoot of this. Do you now go about fixing the quarterback position long term? Because the new coach is not tied to Geno Smith. Do you now bring in somebody who you say, okay, mission one is we are going to fix the quarterback position for the next decade. We're going long term solution at quarterback, not hoping to get the best out of a veteran like Geno Smith. I make one bold prediction here. Because of this um, uh, ouster? They trade up in the draft for once? Well, they're certainly not trading down. <laughs> <laughs> this will not be a 16th for 11 fourth-round picks. Exactly. They will not be doing that. Menu today brought to you by Greta, a fantastic spot to watch all the games, pre-game, post-game, during the game. Quick walk to the Rinker Stadium. Fun before after the game. Food, drinks, make it a game night at Greta 50 West Cordova. And on this Eastern road trip. Don't even leave right. work. Just go from work straight to the Greta. Thursday, Pittsburgh. Four o'clock. Four o'clock. Boom. Head on over to Greta. Watch the game there. Saturday, Buffalo. 1 p.m. Lunch at Greta. Exactly. We'll talk to Frankie Corrado. Tons of topics with Frank, including all those goals from defense. Uh, Quinn Hughes. And how amazing that goal was. Ask Frank, has he ever been mesmerized on the ice? Where you just can't keep your eyes off one of the stars on the other team. We talk about resting Ian Cole. We talk about maintaining all these, uh, the pace. And of course, all these beautiful goals the Canucks are scoring of late. We'll get to some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter, including more on the surprising Cutter Gauthier trade. And what may have fueled it, an $80,000 performance bonus? Like, Really? Could that be what tripped up the relationship between this fine young prospect and Flyers management? As well, Zegris and Shikran available. Let's get into it. I don't know if it was malicious. Probably not. But I do know it was another WTF moment. My question to ownership would be, was it worth it? And the architect, and I use that term loosely, given there wasn't much architecture, more finger painting with this team. It's like the running of the Bulls in Pamplona. You know someone is going to get hurt. That's what you all need to understand here. Right now. Didn't think I'd be writing about the Vancouver Canucks and the Stanley Cup in the same sentence this year, but here we are. Like many pundits, the outset of the season, I had the Canucks missing the postseason again. Nice depth additions in the summer, but not needle movers, and I had grave concerns about the defense core and secondary scoring. 
The Canucks are now halfway through the season, second in the NHL, leading their division by six points over the defending cup champion Vegas Golden Knights and a contender. So in the so in the spirit of this show, wrong, 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 wrong. Going to tell myself I was wrong. Here's things I was wrong about. Brock Besser returning to rookie form. And regular listeners know, I've long said here, it's an ever-quickening league. He just doesn't have the pace. Wasn't sure he was ever going to get back, even with all these reports of a improved off-season regimen. But he's hanging with the league's top goal scorers. 25. Tied for fifth in the league. It's the best he's looked since his rookie campaign of 2017-18. Number two. Having the league's best defense pairing. And frankly, I think this one caught the Canucks themselves by surprise because, as we know, Ronick and Hughes did not play with each other in preseason. And it was only a Carson Soucy injury in the final preseason game that threw them together. So, with apologies to Kale McCarr and Devin Taves, Devon Taves, Hughes and Ronick, they've risen to the top. They went nearly a month before giving up a goal. They're the top two defensemen in even strike points across the league. Number three, an effective third line. Or is it a second line? Connor Garland had been tried with just about every center to walk through the door with the Canucks over the last two years. Couldn't find chemistry with any of them. So, of course, he found it with Vegas's fifth line center, Teddy Bluger. Indescribable. Those two, winner and Dakota Joshua, who's on a 20-goal pace, have formed such an effective line that's allowed the coaching staff to reunite the lotto line and still feel good about their secondary scoring. Speaking of secondary, is this now the second line? Number four, Tyler Myers and Noah Juleson although I'm kind of using these guys as proxy for overall team defense. Remember how bad the Canucks were defending as a group? And remember how bad they were individually on the defense score. Now, unlike many, I wasn't ready to throw Myers overboard. But I also didn't see him playing at this level. He's been more than adequate. How many times has Tyler Myers been topic A when we've been postmorting a loss? Chaos draft nights, fewer further between. As for Jolson, much like Myers, he's helped stabilize the right side. He played 25 consecutive games for this club, damn near a third of the season, and he was more than fine. Number five, or are we six? I don't know. I've lost count at this point. Lot, so wrong. Yeah. So wrong. Casey DeSmith, one of the NHL's top backups, had a dreadful year. And the moment the Montreal, the Montreal Canadiens, a bad Montreal Canadiens team who didn't necessarily have a franchise starting upper echelon goalie, acquire him in a trade and immediately let everybody know he's available. We have no plans for him. Now, did I think of an upgrade over last year's duo? Spencer Martin, Colin Delia? Yeah, of course. But this good? Got points in nine of his 12 starts, including seven wins. 
It's helped the Canucks maintain when Thatcher Demko's taken nights off, and his success has allowed the coaching staff to rest the starter more frequently than they go back to October. All of us were talking about, oh, they're going to want to rest Thatcher Demko, but I'm just not sure I see it. Just not sure they're going to be able to resist the temptation of throwing that great goaltender out there 60-plus times this year. Sure enough, here's Casey DeSmith. Anything you would add to the list? Anything you want to self-report here? Oh, it's I, a safe I, space. You're putting me on the, uh, well, on the spot I mean, here a little bit. Um, I'll tell you, you and Jeff are on this mm. wrong. Thinking that last year's late season wouldn't carry over to this year. That much is clear now. That Tockett was able to insert his program the way he wanted them to play hockey and get a jump start on this season. And look, we all looked at it and went, why not? Why don't you just tank for Bedard? Why do you have to get this coach in right now? I mean, it's not like he was a Jack Adams guy in Arizona or Tampa. What's the big deal about this guy? Why are you so confident? Why are you genuflecting in front of this coach? He hasn't won anything. I think the ability. With the big whistle. I think the ability for him to get in early last season. Um, probably had a profound effect um, with his ability to coach guys like McKayev. Oh, no, no, sorry. Uh, Blue, Bluger, no. Uh, Suter, no. Lafferty, no. Hoaglander, no. Uh, Linus Carlson, no. Um, Ronick, no. Please, you did uh, Zadorov, no. You, you please, you did just go. Nope. Carlson. Cole, come nope. on, come on, come on. Uh, Freeman, no. Juleson, okay. no. He do, didn't coach any of those guys okay. last year. Now do Hughes, Miller, yeah. five Patterson, guys. Myers, Besser. No, more than five guys. Kuzmenko, although it hasn't worked out. Uh, Juleson, Garland, Joshua. It's like seven guys. It's like ten. No, it's not. The most of this team was not under pocket last year. Hughes, Miller, Pedersen, Myers, Besser, Kuzmenko, Juleson, Garland, Joshua is nine. Amon is 10. Amon. Oh, you and Carlson. I can't go Amon. <laughs> One's played like three NHL games. The other's played like 50. Did Newell Juleson play down the stretch last year? Played 12 games last year. I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. Nine. Eight. <laughs> anyway, way less than half the roster. Half the skaters. Oh, we didn't do goaltenders. Half. Your every night line. That's welcome out for today. We'll hash it out here over the next 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Noah out. Juleson did play down the street. Yeah, he did. Of course Remember the did. pairing with Hughes? Right. Everyone's like, oh, my God, this is such a good pair. We invite your feedback. Feedback channels as follows on email live at scarcenprice.com. You can text 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. And, of course, the welcome out a presentation of Great Clips 37 salons in Vancouver and the Lower Mainland, all of them proudly Canadian-owned and operated. So here's some price from Wall Center. Presentation, Applewood Auto Group. Hashtags are the best and worst of Twitter.com. And 
I'm going to start a soft lake with our buddy Frank Saravelli, who's going to be here on Friday, of course, at Frank underscore Saravelli. With Jimmy Drysdale gone in Anaheim, is Trevor Zegras next out the door? Zegras joins Daily Faceoff's trade targets board at number four, plus sends Jacob Chikrin his generating interest as Steve Steos and the new management group there, including Dave Poulin, examine their core. Well, those are pretty significant names yeah. to be talking about on the trade side of things. Uh, let's get to Zegris first, 22-year-old forward with the Anaheim Ducks. Having a poor year. Like a dreadful year. He's only played 20 games, but seven points, my goodness. And got hurt last night, and head coach Greg Cronin said it looks like it's going to be a while. John Shannon mentioned to us yesterday that rookie general manager Pat Verbeek of the Anaheim Ducks may well have been off-put by the difficult contract negotiations with both Jamie Drysdale and Trevor Zegris. As you remember, he was one of the last unsigned yep. players we were talking about going into this season. Now, the Drysdale contract for me, if he stays healthy, is extraordinary value. Um, but in Zegris's case, he's making 57 they just brought in another terrific young, promising forward in, in Cutter Gauthier. So that's an interesting to watch. I checked in with friends in Ottawa saying, why would Chikrin be available? I asked Shannon that yesterday. And, and you know, John talked about Tarasenko as a rental, which, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. But all the insiders on the weekend were talking about, you know, the Senators looking to bring in, you know, professional Guys, it sounds like there may well be a culture matter there. Uh, what came back from my friends in the nation's capital was they just absolutely need that top four right side guy. In fact, one of my friends said they need to do exactly what Vancouver did in terms of make a big deal for a Phil- for a Philip Ronick. That Chikrin and Shabbat are both good players, and Shabbat gets hurt a lot but that perhaps they may have to look at trading one of those two lefties for a right side guy. And that's why Chikrin would be available, particularly if they can't re-sign him and Chikrin is up. Um, one more he's, year. Yeah, he's got one more year after this. 4.6 is a pretty good contract. Great contract. It's a really good contract. But he's UFA at the end of next season. So, of course, those negotiations can begin this summer. Needless to say, in the context of the Vancouver Canucks, look, I don't think they're in the market for a Chikrin-style player. Zegras would be most interesting because he can play the middle, but like everyone is saying, is he a Rick Tockett type player? Yeah. Like if if you can't get on Greg Cronin's good side, what are the chances you're going to get on Rick Tockett? He could be Kuzmenko-y. Um, yeah. So if he's younger, um, maybe a little bit more moldable. Mm-hmm. But and and you also. He also gets the kickstart. Like again, there's no connection to the Canucks folks, but let's walk down a hypothetical lane. You get traded to the Vancouver Canucks. All of a sudden, you're on a first place team. You're feeling pretty motivated, right? Like your your lot in life has greatly improved, mm-hmm. not by weather, but by yes. uh, but by standing. Um, you would think you get the best out of that player, but. I mean, that's it's a bit of a risk because you're going to have to give up assets to get a guy like that. Yeah. Supposedly, he's good friends with Quinn Hughes, and he yes. said yes. on a live stream that he just loved the talent the Canucks had been assembling and was a big fan of their team and something to the effect like 
he would like maybe one day a chance to play with some of those guys, which is interesting to say hearing from a player on, you know, a team in their division. In their division, yeah. So Fair enough. Now, Dreger yesterday mentioned that teams have been calling on them, but then he made it clear on insider trading that he's not being chopped. No. So read into that how you want. Well, I think people are connecting the dots that after the drive down, Verbeek yeah. is looking to change the young core there. Yeah. It's uh it's a lot. Um and they had a nice start, but uh boy, the bottom has dropped off. Speaking of California teams struggling at J for Shockey, tonight's seven one loss gives the San Jose Sharks a thirty two point five percent goal share at the halfway mark of the season. That is the worst a team has done. In its first 41 games since the 92-93 Ottawa Senators, 31.6%. And the second worst mark since 1979. Um, As many people have pointed out, the NHL's parody league is the only reason why the Ottawa Senators even appear to be slightly better than they are. That in every way, shape, and form, they are historically bad as we first thought. You mean San Jose. What did I say? You said Ottawa, but you Uh, meant San Jose. Jose. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are as historically bad as we originally thought at the start of the season. And it is now dawning on the players at Shangpeng, quote, there's a despair in knowing that even when you play your best, you're probably going to lose. Um, Mario Ferraro um, and uh, head coach uh, David Quinn went off last night. I mean, uh, Quinn said, we could barely carry the puck over the blue line. Arguably our worst game of the year from start to finish. And this is a team that lost 10-1 to the Canucks, remember? Every facet of the game, really, not one guy really had their game tonight. Um, and he said, boy, is losing fucking hard. It wears on you. Unless you're going through it, it's really difficult to explain to anybody. When you fucking lose, it's hard. It wears on you day and night, 24-7, end quote. And, uh, yeah, when you're dropping multiple F-bombs, you know the bottom has dropped out. I have had extensive conversations with our friends Rick Bonus and Ale Vigno about that expansion Senators team, and one of the reasons that we saw more favorable expansion drafts after that and one of the reasons we saw extremely favorable expansion drafts for Vegas and Seattle was a lot of the pushback from that Senators team, also the San Jose expansion team, Blake, who used the exact same phrase. We could play our best do everything right, and still lose the game handedly. Yeah. If you get to that point, that's not NHL hockey that you're selling commercially. No. And and and, and the problem with tanking is that it, it, you know teams eventually get to the point where it just makes sense. Uh, how this yep. team won seven regulation games is almost a miracle. Yeah. They, they've beat. They've lost twelve in a row here. Yeah. 12. And remember, they had a stretch of like seven weeks there from late November to December where they were actually palatable. No, they, after they had the dreadful start, well, they beat the Canucks. Yeah. After, after the dreadful start, full credit to David Quinn. They changed some things about the way they played. Guys put in an effort, and they were competitive. They're Even f- in their losses, they were competitive. But now, uh, and the other part of this equation, Blake, is the NHL season is just so long yeah. that it's so difficult to keep up that level. If there was 20, they need to keep up. 
to just be competitive in games and win the odd one. If there was 20 games left, they could they could exactly. kick the can down the road and make it. But you got 40 games. 41 yeah, games left. Like, oh, my God. At Frege, N-A-I-H-N-I-C, Elliot Friedman, Hockey Night in Canada. Word is Philly didn't want a bonus overage carrying into the season, so they didn't want to sign Cutter Gauthier at the end of last year. They certainly didn't intend it as any kind of an insult, but things were never the same after this happened. So more details are coming out as to why Cutter Gauthier wasn't going to sign or even meet with the Philadelphia Flyers. When you sign your rookie-level deal, you can... um, Sign it with performance bonuses, and and these are some of the only contracts that have performance bonuses in the NHL. And if you max out, it's a games played bonus. It's an additional $80,000. Now, as Friedman points out in his article, the Flyers were already looking at about $212,000 in bonus overages carried over onto this year's cap. But, Blake, $212,000, like, we're talking about a pittance in NHL economics. Yeah. Especially for a fifth overall. Friedman also wrote about perhaps the Flyers didn't want to have him burn that first year of the entry-level deal. I believe there were 16 Flyers games left when Gauthier's Boston College season ended, and that would have burned, 10 or more would have burned the first year of the entry-level deal. And I can understand that to a degree, but... Everything out of Philadelphia was, this was the apple of their eye. The only young forward prospect they had that had a chance of playing center, an American and a charismatic American as well, someone he was going to be pushed forward as one of the features of the franchise, including with the chance to make the team this year quite, quite readily. So I'm having a whole lot of trouble buying that for 300000 in bonus overages, 80 of 80,000 of which attributed to him, and burning a year off the contract. If that's the case with the Flyers, then I'm Team Cutter Gochi. I, too, would take that as an insult because here's the other thing, Blake, and we forget about this sometimes. He probably wanted to start making some money. Mm-hmm. He's a college kid right now. Yeah. The NHL minimum salary is massive money. For this kid. Yeah. And may well be for his family as well. So Freeman goes on to wonder, was there, did they just not want to bring him into the environment? Were things not very good at the end of last year for the Flyers and you didn't want to have the kid exposed to that as his welcome to the NHL? They shopped him extensively at the draft. The Montreal Canadiens turned down Gauthier for the fifth overall pick, which... They were intent on taking the Swiss defender, David Reinbacher. And in the absence of any kind of explanation from Cutter Gauthier, as you know, Blake, how hockey works, he's going to be vilified and demonized. If any of this is true, just about bonus overages and not wanting to burn the first year of the ELC, I'm completely with Gauthier in his camp. Uh, one thing that I take away from this, and you know, this is a little bit behind the curtain, but, you know, People in our business often get vilified for reporting on stories and, you know, they get denied by the principals in the story and then the reporters get lambasted by the public on social media. You guys are just drumming up soap operas. Folks, there are so many soap operas in pro sports 
There are so many things <laughs> that Cody Hudson. Yeah, exactly. It was a perfect example that come up after the players are retired. There's a reason why guys like Spit and Chicklets and stuff have a podcast like they do because there are tall tales coming from almost everybody's career yeah. that never come out in real time or very rarely or get denied. But those are real stories, yeah. and they're embarrassing stories. And I bet you there's an embarrassing story somewhere here. Yeah. And I don't know which, <laughs> what, which one it is, but I find it really hard to believe that a player just decides he's not talking yes. to the NHL team. Well, like, here, there's something there. Here's the other thing I wonder. First-time president Keith Jones, first-time general manager and Daniel Briere, did some of their inexperience show here? Like, did they think they could just get away with players and agents going, oh, we don't want to burn the extra year. We don't want to pay the extra 80K. Did they, did, you know, were they so inexperienced that they fell into a Pennywise pound foolish trap? Or the other part, they knew things weren't good. They didn't want to bring the kid into the environment. And they had trouble communicating that or didn't want to tell the agent, the player, uh, things aren't exactly great here. We're not sure we want to, in the case of, Case of Breer, of course, uh, bring him into the environment. Anyways, I look forward to the book on this or the long form piece. At some point, I suspect we will hear from Gochi. At some point, I suspect we will hear more details. But they, in the end, they had to pay some equity to get rid of him. Like they lost mm-hmm. a pick as well, right? Um, uh, so no, they got a pick. I mean, they they got a. They got a lesser projected player, an injured player. I I don't know that it's necessarily on paper an even swap. We'll see what Drysdale ultimately Mm -hmm. um, performs as. Well, if Drysdale hits the ceiling, like we said yesterday, they got the right shot power play defenseman. There's no problem, yeah. It could very well be that Gauthier's a a winger. But Gauthier had leverage, you know, again, burn the year this year. Um, There was leverage available to Gauthier. But it didn't even, by all accounts, it didn't sound like they even tried to utilize that uh, that leverage. Uh, at Faisal Kamisa from Sportsnet, and I'll not read the quote. I'll let you hear the quote. Darko Ryakovich went off at the refs after a Raptors one-point loss in L.A. after some suspect fourth-quarter calls. Folks, here is a coach's rant of all coaches' rants. That's 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 outrageous. What happened tonight? This is completely BS. This is shame, shame for the referees, shame for the league to allow this. Twenty-three free throws for them, and we get two free throws in in the fourth quarter. Like how to play the game? I all, I understand uh, respect for all stars and all that, but we have star players on our team as well. How's possible is Scotty Barnes, who is all-star caliber player in this league, he goes every single time to the rim with force and trying to get, get uh, to, to the rim without flopping and, and not trying to get foul calls. He gets two uh, free throws for the whole game. How's that possible? How are you going to explain that, that to me? If that's, if that's the case, just let us know so we don't show up for the game. Just give them a win. But that, that was not fair tonight. And this is not happening first time for us. Scotty Barnes is going to be all-star. He's going to be the face of this league. And what, what's happening over here during whole season, I've been holding it back. It's a complete crap. It has shades of Vanny Sartini. It does. And um, 
if you're going to pick your spot to have that rant, yep, it's a good spot. Twenty-three to two free throws in the fourth quarter against the flagship franchise and the would-be goat, uh, yeah. who are struggling. Who are struggling. All these reports about they're not listening to their coach and this and that and the other thing. Yeah, yeah, that's a good spot uh, to pick. Well done, twenty-three two in the fourth. Come on, find it hard to believe. Find it very hard to believe. That's hashtags for today. Sick Harrison Price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. You want a truck? I can get you a truck. What you go to Applewood GM and Port Hardy? Feast your eyes on the 2024 Sierra. Finance it from 1.99%. Yeah, you heard that right. Like the Silverado? Also, 1.99% for the 2024. It's all good at Applewood. Poll question today. We're asking you which pace is most likely to keep up. 114 points for the Vancouver Canucks as a club. Three different 100-point players or seven different 20-goal scorers. You can vote at Sakerson Price on Twitter and YouTube. Joined now by former Vancouver Canucks defenseman, TSN hockey analyst, the one and only Frankie Corrado. See all those goals from defensemen yesterday, bud? I did. And they're and they're creating their own goals too. It wasn't I like the, the forwards created and you know they tapped it in or they were creating their own goals. Are right? you talking league wide? Because even league wide, if you watch the highlights, no. everybody was scoring. Never mind I'm just talking the about the Vancouver Canucks and all the goals from defense last night. Yeah, it was uh it was it's cool. I, I like seeing the offense generated from the blue line. I think I came in a, in an era where coaches and there was a few coaches that were guilty of this they would just tell you you're on the blue line you know what i mean like you move east and west on the blue line but that's it stay up there and the rationale behind that at the time was let's make the offensive zone as big as we possibly can the more you creep into the offensive zone now you're shrinking the space and you're making it easier for the defensive team but we've moved away from that and we've said okay the defensemen are not just going to shrink in a little bit. They're going to get involved. They're going to have motion down the wall. They're going to have motion through the middle of the ice. And you know how you just talked about making the zone as big as you possibly can? Now guys, are they have that motion, and they're creating bigger pockets of ice higher up in the zone. And the D are more involved. The forwards are able to make some plays that, you know, it doesn't have to constantly go down into the corner. It doesn't have to always go down behind the net. There's a little more room now because of the motion. And when you got some guys like Heronic and Hughes and, you know, you got guys that can make plays like that. Um, it's, it's pretty cool. Like you, you have some different options offensively. I don't know about you guys. Like my biggest takeaway from the Canucks, this, this little New York stint that they had, you go into New York, you beat a like up tempo, high offense team. And you say, we can win the track meet game. Then you go to Long Island and you say, we can win the mucky, grindy, kind of like have to go through five guys defensive zone trap game as well. So I don't know. There's there's a lot of good going on with this team right now. Morrison and Riley also, or Morrissey and Riley also scoring last night uh, as the defensemen had their day. They, they, the Q's goal. Does, who else in the league scores that goal from the blue end? Just McCarr? 
uh, can Adam Fox score that goal? I mean, and I only mean to, to pick on the rest of the league or, or, you know, Harold Hughes more than he, we already have, but um, I don't know. Cause I don't know that wow. Quinn Hughes last year scores that goal, but Quinn Hughes this year scores that goal. And McCarr scores a goal. Anybody else? I'm going to pick on the rest of the league. Cause Hampus fucking Lindholm doesn't score that goal. All right. And we were seeing Hampus Lindholm in Quinn Hughes's neighborhood preseason. Right. No, 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 wrong, no, no. wrong, wrong, wrong. That is wrong. That is that is false. That is asinine to suggest that Hampus Lindholm is in the same league as Quinn Hughes. And that is not a slight to Hampus no, Lindholm, who is a very, yeah. very, very, very good defenseman in his own right. But Quinn Hughes is in the category of Kale McCarr right now. And Adam Fox isn't as dynamic as Quinn Hughes is. Adam Fox is a really good defenseman. And if you watch, like, he has this thing about where – He's got this long kind of tall blade of his stick. He's got really good control over the puck. So whatever he lacks in, you know, dynamic skating ability, he makes up for and then some with his control of the puck on his stick. He's really good at it. He's able to kind of like twist it around his body, makes these cool behind the back passes. All that being said, I've just pumped Adam Fox's tires. There are things that Quinn Hughes does that Adam Fox cannot do. And Adam Fox has won a Norris already, and he deserves it, and he deserves all the accolades that he he gets. But you're right. Like, Kale McCarr scores that goal. Quinn Hughes scores that goal right now. And they can score it often. You know what I mean? Like, it's not just the the one-off. Like, Mm -hmm. Morgan Riley can probably score a goal, goal like that, but it might be the one he scores in the year that's like that. Josh Morrissey, same deal. It's like, they're gonna score one like that. But Quinn Hughes is constantly in attack mode. He's constantly, like, manipulating his way to the middle of the ice, whether he shimmy shakes someone or he spins off someone. It's not just once a game. It's like, it's it's almost sometimes more than once a period he's doing that. So mm-hmm. the, the amount of volume at which he's creating, like, the high-quality chances, there's, there's, a, there's a list of two guys that can do that, and it's McCarr and Hughes. It almost looked like the five Islanders on the ice on that goal were just mesmerized, Frank. Did did you ever find yourself on an NHL ice sheet and just sort of in awe watching a guy and sort of being paralyzed to do anything about it? By fear, probably. Paralyzed yeah, by fear. There's a couple, like there's a couple instances that come to mind for me. My first moment like that was my first training camp in Vancouver. And I took a two on one with Henrik and Daniel. And I remember just being this like skinny, wet noodle, kind of like 18 year old. And it was just the most, I'll never forget it. It was the most beautiful saucer pass that I had no chance of picking off. And by the time, I think by the time I reacted to it, it had already been like in and out of the net. So there's one. Um, Shortly afterwards, we're playing San Jose in the playoffs. And, you know, you look around and warm up, you see a lot of the names, you see Thornton, Marlowe, like there's a lot of good names out there, but watching Jumbo do his thing on the power play. And I was on the bench. I'm like, Whoa, I got to catch myself here because I'm watching like this guy's such a wizard, you know, like he would, he would terrify you when he had the puck because of the things he could do with it, with his passing ability. He saw stuff that like other people couldn't and, and he would execute on it. So that's, that's another moment, another moment. And I, I'm pretty sure I've, I've told this story on your show before, but I'll, I'll tell it again in case people haven't heard it. It was my first year. It was the torts year. And I had been playing, I don't know, 
Tor and Torts told me this. He's like, you're going to play five to seven minutes just until you kind of get, you know, up to speed on things. So I was, you know, I kind of knew what was going on. But me and Yannick Weber iced the puck and we're playing Pittsburgh and we see Crosby come over the boards and we kind of looked at each other. We were probably 45 seconds to a minute into a shift and we looked at each other and we're like, we need to get this thing out, man. Like, we cannot <laughs> fuck around here. Like, let's go or else we are in deep shit here. Luckily for us, like, I just remember having that moment looking on the face off and seeing Crosby and like almost making eye contact with him. And it was like, you know, you watch a movie, you see an animal just like frosting at the mouth and they're like, I cannot wait to rip this to shreds. Good. Like, luckily for us, Brad Richardson was on the ice. So he won the face off. I went D to D to Weber and we got off the ice. And I remember sitting there with, with Webby and we were just like, whew, that was close, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Dodged a bullet. Hey, uh, back on Hughes, uh, Blake and I were talking. Do you think he has to outscore McCarr to win the Norris? And how much equity do you think the voters will put in the fact that the Vancouver Canucks have completely exceeded expectations and are going to be a playoff team. How much do you think that will help the case versus a McCarr who's on a playoff yeah. team that we all knew at the beginning of the year? I do. I do believe that he's going to have to outscore McCarr because, and as much as Quinn Hughes is having a great season, like the conversation is, is going to come down to a lot of, well, Kale McCarr does it all the time. This is just one season for, for Quinn Hughes. So if Quinn Hughes outscores uh, McCarr, the Canucks are in great shape when it comes to the playoff race. And he's, you know, a, a, a massive part of that, a huge catalyst for that. But if, if you look in April and you see Hughes one and McCarr two and the Canucks team success that they've had, now you've got a really good argument for, for the Norris. But if McCarr is still the top dog, even though Vancouver's had the team success and you dive into the numbers and, you know, you, you still kind of think Hughes had a great season, but maybe it wasn't enough because he didn't beat McCarr in scoring. Like there's going to be that argument to be had. But the ironclad argument for Hughes winning the Norris is going to be first in scoring, you know, like right there with goals, like McCarr can score goals, not that Quinn Hughes can't, but like Quinn Hughes has really added to that, that toolbox and that arsenal with his ability to shoot the puck this year, like beat him in, in a multitude of categories. And then it's in the, it's in the owner, the, the voters kind of backyard to say, okay, like, you have to do it. Like, you know how people tell players, like, you have to force the coach's hand. Like, if, if, if he's going to win the Norris, he's going to have to force their hand because you just couldn't not vote for him, number one. It was too overwhelmingly successful of a year for Quinn Hughes. And that's a very, like, that. there's a very good possibility that that could happen. There's a, When teams are struggling, we always hear the adage, if the team just starts winning, you know, fans will re-engage. Wins cure everything. Um, when you get winning and scoring my goodness uh you know the fans just froth at the mouth and and that's what the Canucks fans are getting right now everything is going their their way in the first half which leads us to our poll question for today what can they repeat in the second half now 41 games under their belt what do you think is the most sustainable over the second 41 games they're on a 114 point pace this season is it that is it three 100 point players which Quinn Hughes is on that list, believe it or not, or is it seven 
20 goal scores because everybody's been feasting guys like Dakota Joshua for heaven's sakes on 20 goal paces as well. What do, what do you think feels like the real Canucks? And, and, and it might be all three, but what's, what's the easiest one to pick? That's a great question. Actually. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is the 114 point pace. And I know that's a lot of points in the NHL, but at the start of the year, the Canucks were scoring more than they were generating. Okay. They were getting saves from Thatcher Demko um, a lot of, but they were giving up a lot more high danger chances. And at some point there was going to be the regression hashtag the regression or the PDO, which, you know, whatever, that's another, that's another thing. What has happened now with the Canucks is they're still number one in the league in goals for, but they're generating more of those high danger scoring chances. Like they're, they're actually closer to what they're producing. Like what they're generating is, is more like the results. So they're getting that their defensive game has improved so much. So now it's not just that Demko is making a lot of great saves. It's not that Casey DeSmith is giving you really good outings when he's in the net. Like they are actually a much more difficult team to play against. And they're not giving up the high, like they're eighth in the NHL when it comes to giving up high danger chances. That's really, really good. Slot shots, eighth in the NHL. Like they are, they are right there when it comes to the underlying numbers and the results that they're getting. So the the 100 point players like that comes with the territory, the 20 goal scorers that comes with the territory. But as a group, they are improving before the regression can catch up to them. And I think that's really important for them, because as this season goes on, if you stay stagnant, that's when you see that big regression. That's where it's like this is going to catch up to you. But if you have that time and you have those games and you're actually improving when it comes to the generation or the shot suppression, that's how you can get on the other side of it. And that's what the Canucks are doing right now. And that's what's so impressive. That's why I think it's the team aspect of 114 point pace. Highest scoring team in the league. They're 28th in shots. They are 28th in the national. Yeah. And and that's been pretty standard throughout not relying on the power play well, though right now they were well, relying on power play one. earlier here's another one tell me how this makes sense so 28 in shots on net 23rd when it comes to slot shots okay but the inner slot shots and we got to get a definition of what the inner slot yeah, is right they're that's deep that's deep that's, yeah so so they're they're on the goal mouth basically yeah. that's how i would that that's yeah. how i would read that like they're scoring on the goal mouth and then offensive zone possession, they're fourth in the NHL. They're spending yeah. just under seven and a half minutes. So, like, they're in the offensive zone a lot, and the quality chances they're getting, it's, like, right on the doorstep. Well, uh, they're choosy. I think they're in, the, they're in the offensive zone, and they're choosy on their you're, shots. You're absolutely right, Frank, and yet certainly over the last two games, they're scoring beautiful goals. Oh, gosh. I mean, the goal from distance is kind of a thing of the past we still see it a little Myers bit, but last night. yeah exactly Myers last night is a perfect example but the goal from distance is kind of a thing of the past and so in taking away that goal you we've taken away a lot of the sort of really pretty goals in, in some regard you look at the Canucks over the last couple of nights Hoaglander Bester Patterson the Miller and Patterson goal last night oh just absolutely gorgeous goals that this team is scoring right now. Is that an, a, is that a function of confidence? Is that a, um, is that a uh, harbinger that this team is playing right now with a ton of confidence? 
for sure. For sure. It's like, it's honestly like watching the Globetrotter sometimes like that game against the Rangers. Um, you know, the Hoaglander goal, he did that. Like he did a lot of that trickery stuff when he played in Sweden with Rogla and the more confident he gets, the more he's going to do that stuff here in, in, in the NHL. So, and, and you know what, I, I like that he's, not afraid to show off that side of himself because if that's what makes you a good player if that's what allows you to be yourself on the ice do that kind of stuff that's great um but hey like take the nice goals when you can score them they don't all have to be gritty um and and Wyatt Wyatt tweeted at me uh during the Rangers game about the uh that goal off the rush and it was that really nice pass from Quinn Hughes and it's like okay so so what goes into this goal and I'm watching the goal back. And first of all, Brock Besser is flying up the ice. So A, that's effort. B, that's recognition that Quinn Hughes has this puck and it's going north. And chances are this is going to get executed so I can get on my horse. When you play in that like that middle where, you know, your teammate has the puck and you're, you're a little unsure and they don't really make this play. I feel like maybe I have to stay on the defensive side. It's like there is confidence now that, we are doing this, we are executing, and when everyone has that same kind of flow, up the ice and back towards the net, that's when you get those those big moments like that and the, and the space opens up for you. So they're, 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 they're a confident group, but I would say they're confident in their own ability to execute and confident in their own ability to know that you're never going to be left alone to deal with your own issues on the ice. No one's handing off their issue, their garbage to you. It's like, if I'm in a battle, chances are, you know, if, if you're Pedersen, it's like Miller's close behind to come help you out. If you're Miller, it's like Besser's close there to, to be the support player. So I don't know. That's where the confidence is for me. While we're talking about Besser, um, you know, isn't it nice to see Besser uh, contributing beyond just the goal scoring too, though. Like, uh, Be I don't think Besser's gotten faster at all, but he's, his anticipation, um, I think he's getting a head start. He knows where he wants to be, and he's doing it faster. He's, he's sort of overcoming his lack of speed yeah. by using hockey sense and anticipation um, to get ahead of the play. Like, he, he shouldn't be the first one down the ice for any reason because he's not that fast. But he's finding himself in those positions because I think of his hockey sense, Frank, his anticipation to get his ass in gear early so that he is ahead of the play. I, I, I definitely think there's a lot of validity to that. And that goes to just like the confidence as a group, knowing that the puck is going to go where it's supposed to go. And we have a plan. And yeah, so I know where it's going now. Like I can actually get on my horse and I don't have to stop and start and turn back and, you know, lose the, the flow to the game. I also think Brock Besser, like, he might have an extra half gear that he didn't have. Yeah, like he, he talked about it so. with, with, with his summer training. Like he, he changed the way he was doing some things and, and he, he kind of recognized that that was a, a weakness in his game. Like, yeah, you can think the game as much as you want, but he like, it just looks to me like he's got an extra half gear that he maybe didn't have last year or the year before. So he just, he like, he deserves a lot of credit for, for recognizing that and, and executing on it. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. He and I have had that debate. Uh, I, I don't think it's hugely different, but he just does seem a little bit quicker uh, on his feet to me, particularly the first couple of steps, just a little twitchier uh, than yeah. he seemed to be. Battle too, he's stronger couple, overall. Uh, last and you know what, Blake, like, the battle thing is interesting because when a guy has a really good shot, like when he's strong on his stick like that, the way Besser is, 
you should be strong in the battle. Like chances are you've got good forearm strength. You've got good grip strength. Like that's how you have a good shot. Like every year at training camp, you could tell who the guys were that had the big shots because they crushed the, not the bench press test as much. Like everyone did pretty good there, but like the grip strength test, Mm -hmm. you could tell like those are the guys that had the really good shots. So you have a good shot chances are you're pretty good in that regard chances are you should win a lot of those you know stick kind of battles 50 50 pucks Mm -hmm. a word or two about your ex-teammate casey DeSmith and what he has provided for this canucks team because a couple of five alarm saves last night uh when the game was close listen casey is an interesting story because he was in he was in the east coast hockey league in wheeling and he, at one point, he was like the third goalie in Wheeling. I'm not even joking. He was the third goalie in Wheeling. He got an opportunity in Wilkes-Barre. He made the most of that opportunity. And then the crease in Pittsburgh became a little less crowded. Matt Murray had been injured a lot. Marc-Andre Fleury had moved on. And Tristan Jari got a shot. Tristan Jari got hurt. Casey DeSmith got an opportunity in the NHL. He, he made the saves that he needed to make. He looked really good in that. And within a couple years, he went from being the third goalie in wheeling to an NHL goalie. So behind Casey DeSmith, the guy who's, you know, backing up Thatcher Demko and doing a really good job when he's in the net, there's always going to be that battler, that guy who had to battle from the East coast to the AHL on, you know, on an East coast deal to an AHL deal to an NHL deal. Like there's always going to be that battle kind of mindset and mentality. And he's been through the adversity. Um, So like he's, he's a battle tested kind of guy. And he's the kind of guy that like, I remember my first year in in Wilkes-Barre seeing Casey's car driving to the rink. Like I think there was some duct tape on that thing. And he's a guy who will never take a day for granted in the NHL. So he's like, he's, he's coming to work every day. He wouldn't have gotten to this point without that that kind of mindset and attitude. So, like, credit to Casey because he's he's done it himself and he had to do it the hard way. Are we talking like a late 90s Accord or Corolla, something We're like that? We're talking like there's, there, was some, there was some duct tape. We'll, we'll leave yeah. it at that. We'll leave it at that, all right. We'll leave it at that. But there was, there, was a nice shiny, uh, there was a nice shiny SUV the next year because he earned an NHL contract. Absolutely. So, and Good you know what? Him. That's... That's the kind of stuff, like that's the kind of adversity you battle through that really makes it worth it. So credit to him. One last question from me, buddy. Um, they load management. Yes, they Cole. did. They did. JPEG called for this. You wrote an article on yeah, Army and, on this, and, and boom. Blake brought it up with me earlier in the week, and I was like, okay, I can see it maybe once as a one-off sort of thing. But they got a full half season here where, uh, where they know they're making the playoffs. And, uh, you know, Jolson's played so well that he load management Yeah, on Cole. What are your well, thoughts there? Load management, but also roster and lineup management as well. Because when, when you know that you can throw Jolson in, who's played much better, and you don't get a significant drop-off from player to player, it's like, okay, it, it, you're killing two, bo- two birds with one stone. I'm going to give Cole a night off. And at the same time, I get Juleson some game reps and, and get him involved. So I, I see it as a win-win situation. I see it as a no-brainer. And as and, and you still win the games. Like, you still win, which is – that's that's the most important thing. So um, 
I, I think it's smart. Like I, I said this last week with, with Blake, I was, you, you invest so much in all these players, you know, you, you pay millions of dollars and you want them ready at feeling their healthiest when, when the moment is the biggest and that's the, the playoffs. So yes, you do everything you possibly can to, to get there. And the Canucks have a nice little cushion here and they've done a great job. So if someone needs a day off every, every couple of weeks, it's, it's a no brainer to do it. And, and the drop off from your seventh D to your sixth D is not very significant. So you still feel like you're, you're icing a very competitive team. Yeah. And with all due respect to Ian Cole, I mean, it's not like he's Kawhi Leonard or anything. Right? No, yeah. if it can happen no. to Kawhi. Yeah. Or, or the face of the NBA, Scotty Barnes. That's right. <laughs> We learned that last night from the Raptors coach. Yes. Uh, be, before you go, you know, the uh, the rest of the Western Conference is starting to change. Uh, teams are starting to drop off a little bit. Vegas and L.A. slip in a little bit. Edmonton coming up. Seattle coming up. Um, are any of those sustainable? Do you, like the Oilers have played unbelievably well, but they've played unbelievably well to get only to this point, which is just above the playoff bar. Do they continue? To see, does Seattle continue? Does L.A. continue to drop? Or are these just little little uh flurries if you will i don't think i don't think la it gets into like this free fall for all uh tailspin they're just they're just too well built but they do they do need more out of some guys like they need more out of pierre luc dubois like they're they're playing this they're paying this guy over eight million dollars and he's playing on the fourth line he has to be a big part of that team he can't just be a fourth liner he shouldn't even be a third liner he should be like right there he at some point he's gonna have to take the reins from kopitar with the way their, their cap is structured. So um, he, he needs to bring more to that team. Edmonton was always supposed to be a good team. This is the thing. And their coach got, gets fired. Now Edmonton was one of those teams that they were generating a ton, but they were not scoring and their goalie couldn't keep the puck out of their net. Now things have balanced for them. Like their things have just balanced off where Stuart Skinner is playing well. They're actually scoring, um, compared to what they're generating. So they're, they're in a wild card spot. Like Seattle was a good team last year. They got off to a really bad start. I guess if you're asking me like LA is not as bad as they've played recently, they're a much better team. Vegas kind of is what they, what they are. We know they're, they're playoff, you know, ready and, and battle tested. Edmonton's the interesting one because now they're, they're scoring a lot. They haven't made any significant roster changes. They just made the, the the coach change, but they're getting the results that they they should have been getting earlier on in the season. So it's uh, it's interesting times in the Western Conference and the Winnipeg Jets, who yeah they don't give up any goals. Like they yeah. thirty games in a row now where they've given up three or less goals. Now there's times where they're a little offensively challenged, but when you're that good defensively, like you're at some point you're just going to get you're going to get offense because you're so good defensively. They're, they're a good team. And quite a change there uh, from where Rick bonus was at uh, emotionally and with his frustration level at the end of last year. He was disgusted. He was disgusted disgusted. and he had a right to be. The other thing guys, Edmonton 43 points in 37 games. I mean, Nashville 45 and 41, Seattle 43 and 40, Arizona 42 and 39. One of these things is not like the other. You know, uh, like Edmonton could very well be a second uh, or a third seed in the Pacific when it's all said and done. Frankie, awesome stuff. Thank you for this, buddy. Uh, you're the yeah. face of our Wednesday show. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, thank you, Coach Darko. Matt, I hope you wore some sunscreen. And, I did. Uh, 
Yeah. I did. Thank you for the uh, encouragement. There was no lobster photo. Grady, every time I go away, Frank, he wants embarrassing photo content of me. Okay. You've provided a lot of it in recent. I think well, she it. has provided a lot of it <laughs> surreptitiously. Hey, our neighbor has a pet rabbit. Why don't you put it on your lap? Yeah, sure. I like animals. Amazing. I'm petting a bunny. Next thing you know, there's a photo circulating yeah. on social. You know, yeah. you spend a crap. Spend a it's few extra crap. Spend a few extra minutes in the sun. Turn a shade of lobster. I'm fair. I go from a very bright pink into a uh, nice bronze. Listen, Let's get a photo of that. Say, people, they would take pictures. They say it's for the gram. For you, it's for the show. That's all. That's it right. Is for the show. Sometimes you gotta take a bullet. Until next Wednesday. See you, See you guys. Stick out some price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. You can text us, 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. going to be great. Really great. Pat McAfee has announced that New York Jets quarterback Aaron Rodgers is no longer going to be a weekly guest on his program in football season. Oh. This after a rambling interview yesterday where Rogers took on the perceived slander of Jimmy Kimmel, all within the Disney, ABC, ESPN family. Mm-hmm. Um, Rogers explained that he was not trying to call Jimmy Kimmel a pedophile and suggest he was on the Jeffrey Epstein list of famous people who had visited his private sex island. He was... He was upset at Jimmy Kimmel for mocking him in his monologue on things that he turned out to be right about, including that there is a list of visitors to the Jeffrey Epstein Island. He he did say, look, uh, you know, nobody should think that Jimmy Kimmel is a pedophile. How uh, gracious of him! And this after a savage monologue from Kimmel on his show a couple of days ago, including you know legal threats last week from Kimmel. It was um, bizarre. Well, Blake. They spent about 30 minutes on an ESPN show with the host being Pac Mac- McAfee, who, let's face it, is not a serious guy taking on a lot of serious topics. No, no. On things like COVID, vaccinations, and the Epstein list. Needless to say, I suspect that every ESPN executive was looking in going, what the hell is this and why is it on our airwaves? Remember ESPN not too long ago forbade political talk from their analysts. Oh, they're very yellow on that stuff, ESPN exec. And Rodgers himself, closing out the season, said that the Jets needed to clear out and stop anything that wasn't about winning Winning, football. Exactly. You, You appearing on McAfee talking about political issues, probably not about winning. Right. McAfee saying he is pumped to get back to sports. And Richard Deitch, the fine meter writer, saying he does believe that McAfee made this call. Now, I suspect he was under some pressure, but yeah. he believes that McAfee's contract with ESPN 
gives him creative control. Then there was this from a gentleman by the name of Bob Rose. He's formerly of the communications department of the University of California, Berkeley, where, of course, Aaron Rodgers played quarterback and, in fact, under the tutelage of former BC Lions head coach Jeff Tedford, who was the head coach at the time. I've held my tongue on the disturbing evolution of Aaron Rodgers. I was his PR man at Cal back in the day, and during that time he was a bright, delightful, and, yes, humble person. I really liked him, and I also knew he would be a star at the next level. When he took the reins from Brett Favre to lead the Packers, I remember the team provided first-rate outside PR help from Ari Fleischer. Aaron listened to Fleischer, and his integration into the team and with the fans was textbook. The key was he listened. I'm not sure he's listening to anybody anymore. Over the years, something happened to that bright and humble person. It's sad, really, because he is, was an exceptional quarterback. Now he says the Jets need to keep all the BS out of the locker room next season. The irony is the largest percentage of the BS has been created by him. Yeah. Sad. Exactly. Do you remember at one point several years ago, Jordan Rogers, his brother, who also spent a minute with the BC Rocket yeah. Lions, tweeted at him, it's great that you're sending out all these thoughts and prayers for the California fire victims and making a donation. How about checking in on mom and dad? You remember that? Yeah. Well, he's been estranged for a while. Anyways, look, I not long ago, Blake, we were talking about Aaron Rodgers as a Jeopardy host. You know how family friendly you have to be to be the Jeopardy host? There's been a it all op- seems so innocent. There's been know? a soap opera there, too. They fired Blossom. I, I, I read that. Yeah. Did Ken push her out? No, Ken loved her. I think. Oh, really? Yeah, they had a split duty. Like, cause I, I didn't know there was a primetime host and a daytime host because there's two different versions of Jeopardy. Oh, I didn't know that either. Yeah. They now do triple Jeopardy. Like uh, that's a category. No, I, 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 I new show. I no, it's a your first round, your second round, and now a third round. Oh, really? Well, I just I happened to stumble upon it a few weeks back, and I heard Ken Jennings say. And now we're going to triple Jeopardy. I'm like, triple Jeopardy? Wow. It was with um, celebrities, though, so maybe it was a longer program. Mm. I don't know. Anyways, do you think Aaron Rodgers gets it back on the rails here, both in terms of being a quarterback and in terms of just ingratiating himself with a larger segment of society or, I had a hot take last week with Jeff. Going? I don't think he takes another sta- snap yeah, in the NFL. Uh, it would not surprise me either. Because I think this guy, Bob Rose, the former Cal PR guy, is right. I don't think Aaron Rodgers has listened to anyone for an awful long time. No. He's and just and I think that's showing now. Yeah, absolutely. Poll question results from Tuesday. We asked you... Are you now expecting playoff success? Yes or no? What did the people say, Blake? They said yes. Correct. Percentage? 68. 71. Which, frankly, I thought was a little bit muted coming off such a banner win against the Rangers. But I should have known better because my better half has started watching Canucks games now again in full from start. 
First, oh, first time in several years. My kids all know what's happening. Yeah, exactly. They watch every, that never happened before. So she's come back to the table, and as she told me for years, why am I going to emotionally invest in this when all they do is break my heart? Or why am I going to emotionally invest in this when there's just calamity going on left, right, and center at Rogers Arena, and when I truly think there's some really bad people in that arena? And I'm like, fair enough. First two responses, Buddha, I've learned not to have expectations, live in the moment, and enjoy the ride. Kent, how come there's no I'm scared because I've been hurt before option? Bill, I'll just take the playoffs. Anything after is a bonus. Matthew, with the team as in, as is right now, one round, but it depends what they add because it could change. I think that's legitimate, Mm -hmm. Matthew. 78% 78% on YouTube. Did it? So yeah. Yes. Okay. Top comment, Mr. Quirky. If the playoffs started today, then the Jets would take on the Oilers and the Canucks would face the Preds in the first round. Right. The Canucks would definitely have the easier matchup. Absolutely. Yeah, they tend to be a happier, a happier think, audience. I think YouTube. that's going to reshuffle before the end of the uh, season. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then Mike says, depending on matchups, could see a second-round win if healthy. Would not have said that at the start of the year. Only team I could see for sure beating the Canucks are Vegas, Colorado. And Dallas, so Mike's not afraid of Edmonton. Mike's not afraid of L.A. or Winnipeg either. Dallas, I think, is more a 50-50 proposition. But I think it's safe to say that Vegas and Colorado are just kind of kicking the can down the road until the playoffs. So we'll see. Uh, Errors and omissions from yesterday's program. Hmm. Uh, we have several. Who, who's batting lead off? Well, here? I'll, I'll bat lead off here. I don't mean to. Uh, I think or... I'm hitting clean up in the. Where, where was the hole, the Matt? Grand Salami. Where was the hole? You, you had the John Tortorella I, I, quote. I wrong. had the hole in the ground. The holes in the wall. The holes in the wall. <laughs> Torts didn't know Cutter Gauthier from a hole in the wall, yeah. not the ground. Mm-hmm. Blake said it looks like a Tchaikovsky. It's a composer. Yeah. Music. I meant ballet. Like, well, listen, it's audible, not visual. Okay. I mean, unless you're talking sheet music, for perhaps you see a beauty in sheet music that the rest of us don't, Blake. I was thinking of a ballet. It looked like a ballet. Oh, I think you got the wrong Russian then. Did I? Didn't Tchaikovsky write any ballets? Uh, composer. His music may well have been used in ballet. My mom's a former ballet teacher. I can ask her, Mom, hmm. you've seen a lot of ballets in your life. Ever uh, ever seen a Tchaikovsky? Tchaikovsky's ballets, Nutcracker, Sleeping Beauty, and Swan Lake. Ah. You know within an E.O. Well, no, because if it looks like you would be talking about the ballerinas, not the composer, still. He wrote them. Yeah, but he's not out there dancing them, Blake. No, I'm standing by it. No. Uh, and now, Grady, do you want to uh, go through your lengthy list? Well, not lengthy, but two pretty notable ones. Uh, you guys ever, back in school, you go, fresh piece of paper, you go to write the date, you're in the wrong year. The calendar year flips. Mm-hmm. You write 2023 instead of 2024. Yeah, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. that happened to me yesterday on the show description. Oh, my uh, God. Incidentally, I have more, one more error I forgot. Did you file it? Like, did it go to the bottom of 2023 on the no, podcast well, list? It was a quick edit. 
Okay. And nobody called me out, but again, mm. self-snitching here, accountability and all that. Okay. And then in our show tweet, because Trevor Zegris' uh, name was out there yesterday making the rounds in the rumor mill, I put Goche for Zegris trade instead of uh, Drysdale. Hell, my God. You guys retweeted it, the tweet, quote tweeted. You didn't even notice it either. Mm. Do you think I read your work? <laughs> it's your own show. You better be reading my work. Uh, incident- Own it. Incidentally, uh, you were right about the 2002 gold medal pass. The dummy was, play? It was Korea. Yeah. It wasn't the Sackett goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Korea finished. Through the legs. Pronger through the pass. And Mario let it go through his legs. You got that mixed up with the Joe Sackick. You got to get a little bit of a hitch in the middle of the Sackick. Yeah. Joe Sackick. The breakaway. It's not Joe. It's Gio. Yeah. Every yeah. Add a syllable wherever you can. Exactly. Yeah. Burnaby's new, finest. That's the Newfoundland way. With Bob Cole. All right. Well, that was quite an ease and O's, gents. We're exhausted. Hmm. And that's what we're only able to find ourselves. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's without Yerky or calling and planning or anyone else toothpicking it. The sticklers. Uh, oh, yes, Betway Bet of the Day time. Yeah, let's do it. Which Have you got? seen the forecast in Kansas City? I'm going the same route for my pick. You go ahead. Zero degrees, and that's Fahrenheit. Colder than Celsius, Yerky. Thank you for that. Funnies and O's on that. Earlier in the week, Dolphins have lost nine consecutive games when the temperature is 40 Fahrenheit or lower. Not only zero degrees, but winds of 10 to 20 miles per hour. And Miami's listed 10 players on the injury report. No bueno. Going KC to win straight up Saturday at 150. Um, Same idea for me. Sunday... In Buffalo, mm-hmm. high of minus four. This is Celsius. Feels like minus 13 with wind gusts up to 59 kilometers an hour. Now, the uh, the total's been plummeting, which is why I went over there. And they're expecting five centimeters of snow. The total is down like a touchdown there, Blake. It started at something like 43, and it's down to like 36. That's not where I'm going. Huh? I'm going... Total passing touchdowns for Mason Rudolph. Oh, God. The, the over-under is .5. I'm going on the under. He does not throw a touchdown pass. Everything will be along the ground. And he's Mason Rudolph. So I've got a couple of things in yeah. my favor. I know he's had a little bit of magic. He's played lately. very well he down has. the stretch. In fact, his quarterback rating has been extraordinary. It's, now they've, they're asking him to manage the game, and they're trying to win running the ball with Harrison And late Warren. in the season, diminished lineups. I, this, is, this is playoff time. Okay. No touchdown passes for Mason Rudolph. Pays two twenty-five on your Betway bets of the day. Must be nineteen plus to play. Please play responsibly. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder: subscribe to us, Rinkwide and Connects Conversation, wherever you get your podcast. Follow on social: Twitter, Insta, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. And of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.